approachable, more realistic things, which would probably be things like your social media, you know, people tweeting and complimenting, hey, thanks for getting me there on time, or, you know, thanks to Susan at RDU, who, you know, got me rebooked on a new flight. Those kinds of opportunities are easier because they're, they're more tangible and they're less time, uh, you know, time constrained. This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Hey, today we want to talk about trust. So how do you actually build trust? Why do we need it? It seems like common sense to me, uh, but the new book is out here, Prove It. Um, and this is an important topic to talk about. How do we build trust with our audiences? And you know, the other thing that I was thinking about as I was um, looking, as I was reading the book too, is how do you build trust quickly? You know, because like I keep going in and out of brands, right? I'm watching this brand. I'm listening to this brand. And, um, you know, how do we do that? Before we get to today's guest, Melanie Diesel, I do want to remind everyone, is marketing a good career? Is currently available on Amazon. And we are live streaming on Amazon. So everything you see around me, my microphone, my backdrop, everything you can also purchase in the carousel, including Melanie's book, if you're not watching on Amazon and if you don't want to scan right now, you can just search for Christoph Trap on Amazon and find all these products there as well. So I want to find out why are we writing about trust today and how do we prove that what we're saying is actually true? Welcome to the show, Melanie. Hey there. Good to have you. Nice to see you. Of course, Melanie yeah. has been around the block with Content Marketing World and in the content marketing community. Um, you've probably seen her on stage somewhere. Now, um, tell us about why do we need to be reminding people that we have to prove the stuff we're saying? Why is that an important topic today still? I know, I know it sounds kind of basic, right? Like that's something that we should all have by now. But the truth is there's so much going on for most of us that we're focused on a lot of other metrics and trust can kind of fall by the wayside. So what we do know is that Data shows us that we have the most skeptical audience we've ever been marketing to. Uh, very few customers believe things that marketers are saying, and they feel like it's a lot of talk and no action. So the best way to build that up is is to use content to bring those receipts because folks just aren't believing us anymore. And if you want them to, then you got to do something about it. It's really interesting. I mean, I, I challenge everything anybody says to me. You know, they say, oh, I this is what, what it does. And depending what words they use. Uh, they either build trust with me or they don't. And sometimes you just kind of move on. And now sometimes, depending on if they have an established brand, I give them a little bit more leeway, right? So yep. for example, I mean, I've seen you speak, I've seen you all over the place. And like, so you're talking about trust? Guess what? You already have some credibility <laughs> in my mind. Uh, but how do how do brands build that over time? And how do we actually uh, make that work? 
I mean, usually if you have a brand that you already trust, like you said, you trust me. Thank you for that. Uh, it does mean that you've been proving it in the past. So the best way to build trust is to just do it continuously. I think we kind of have a habit of thinking of things as a tactic, sort of a one and done or do this as needed. But, you know, focusing on proof is really a mindset. Focusing on trust is really a mindset. And the question to be asking yourself at any point you're putting something out is there something we're saying that we should be proving, right? Are we just saying something that we should be bringing evidence of? And I think if you can kind of adopt that mindset, it becomes a lot easier to, to sprinkle proof in like a spice across all the stuff that you're doing rather than seeing it as this sort of tactic you have to execute every now and then. But how do you, but let's be specific. How do we actually yeah. do that? Because so when I'm thinking about, so when you say that, I'm like, well, makes sense to me. Like, so there's a certain aspect of truth right, or having to prove it is based on what my opinion is on the topic, if yeah. I feel a certain way, right? So if like, let's say a software company comes out with a product, and they say, here is what this product solves. And if I have that need, you don't, you don't really have to prove much else, right? Other than that, you have to have a good product, I guess. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the, we solve that need. I mean, do they really, according to who, is it that exact need or is it that exact need for only some people, right? Is this good for a solopreneur or only for small businesses or large businesses? So not that there's a lack of specificity of those words saying we solve this problem. It's that consumers are hearing we solve this problem from a SaaS company and saying, I'm not sure if I believe you because anyone would say they can solve the problem. Everyone says their product is great. Everyone says I should buy their thing. Every option out there says that they're the best. So how do we actually differentiate is by showing you that they can solve that problem. So uh, making it up on the spot for this SaaS company you mentioned, they say they're solving a specific problem. One way would be to do some sort of screen share, kind of walk through as their, their software is doing its thing and show how that that problem is actually being solved. Uh, another way could be to use stories or, or testimonials from their current clients or past clients saying, you know, yeah, I worked with them. I had this problem and, and here's how they solved it for me. Just kind of adding third party credibility to it. So there's, there's lots of different uh, types of content you can use. But the question is to say, if we know by default, our audience doesn't believe anything we say, where do we put that extra effort in to bring some proof behind what we say? I think some of it is also like the your personality, right? How do you come across? Do you look um, credible, I guess, for lack of a better term? Does it sound credible? Those kind of things. Now, when you were talking about testimonials, I mean, I kind of had this picture in my mind of logos, like every company in the mm. world publishes logos, right? Some even talk about we have to acquire new logos. But how do you really let's I mean, journalist at heart here, Christoph, sure. you know, my, my previous life. Same. Um, how do you really know? And I'm, I'm thinking of one example where a company put a logo up and they said, oh, yeah, we work with this big company. And technically they did like through an agency and the agency work. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. three removed, the cousin three removed. So yeah. at what point is it the truth and helpful? And at what point are you bending the truth? And how do we know? Oh man. So if I could, if I could figure out a magic formula to identify uh, all things true, uh, I would probably be, be, I don't even know, incredibly rich, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but the truth is we just have to assume uh, whether we are bending the truth, telling the complete truth or telling an outright lie that our audience is going to assume we're telling an outright lie. They may not believe any of those logos, right? So 
putting a logo up is great. It does give a little bit of third party credibility because, you know, to your point, you kind of assume if I say I worked with Google and I didn't, they're going to come after me and that'll come down real quick. Right. So it does help a little bit to have that that sort of logo soup. Um, but the, the even better thing is to have a case study, have a full case study where you talk about the work that you did with that company or or, you know, maybe you can't get all of them. But, you know, on some of the companies you've actually worked with have that case study that goes more in depth that talks about the work you did together that has quotes from folks within that company clearly saying that they worked with you it adds a lot more to it um you know and at the end of the day the 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 job that we have is to say can we give as much proof as possible to make it impossible to doubt us like that's really the goal here um is to say well, what are the the claims that are most important and how are we actually going to show this uh because you know, like you said, folks are looking at the website, they see a logo. I don't know how in-depth that work was, but if I see a case study that describes the work in detail, I'm a lot more inclined to believe it. What's interesting about the whole case study thing is uh, I don't know that I want to read a full case study. I know Marcus Sheridan, when he was on the show, he kind of disagreed with that. He said something to the effect of, of course, if you're going to spend $50,000 on a product or $100,000, you are going to read that case study before yeah. you hop on a call with me. And maybe I maybe I would maybe I wouldn't I prefer video quite frankly. A video uh, but testimonial how do we... still counts. Video I mean, counts as a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean when we talk about a case study, I want to be clear that that's I'm talking about the the focus of the content, not necessarily the format. So you can a hundred percent do a video that's a full case study where you're doing video interviews with your past clients and they're talking about it was so awesome working with Christoph. Like we we made such a big difference in our company. You know, wouldn't work with anybody else and. You can talk about the work you did together and create a video mashup. You could create an infographic that has all the stats of how you work together and some quotes. You know, you could do quote graphics that bring that case study to light. It doesn't really matter what, I mean, I'm, it does matter. But what I mean is it's, it's less important what format it is and more important that you are telling a detailed story of your work together that, you know, is a lot easier than just throwing up a logo. You know, I just wrote about that. And if you click on that um, up there, way over there on yes. melanie has to point um it's on her site i just wrote about that over on my blog christophtrap.com um why do you have to do a written news release do a video news release right just talk about the topic oh, and yeah. i actually saw a, a public official do that and they just uh released a video statement as opposed yeah. to written but how do we get people to actually think about the content over the format i mean i so I'm the first person to argue what you just argued, and I'm totally in agreement. <laughs> but my mind still went to 68-page white paper, two columns when you said that. No, that's horrible. I don't think, I don't know that anybody needs that. That might be something you need for proof to higher ups to show that you've done your homework. Um, but look, I'm not going to say without any data to back me up that one thing is better than the other. Um, the reality is what your audience wants is going to be different depending on your audience and your product. You know, if, if to Marcus's point, if I'm investing, you know, 50, $100,000 in a particular software or partnership, you're going to want to do more homework than that than you are for, I don't know, like what brand of, of tinfoil you pick up at the grocery store. Nobody's reading a tinfoil white paper or even testimonial probably, right? We're just looking for some basic uh, some basic stuff there. So it's it's going to be a different answer for everybody, which I know is sort of a, uh, a given in marketing many times. But but really, the the idea is to focus on the focus first, right? That's a lot of what I talked about in my first book is like figuring out what is it that I'm going to say 
And then you ask the question, what's the best way to bring that to life? Because to your point, sometimes that should probably be a video release as opposed to a, to a written release. Maybe you need some graphics. Maybe you do all three. There's lots of different ways you can do it, but you got to get clear on the message first. You have to get clear on the message first. Uh, just a friendly reminder, we are streaming on Amazon and Lori Lynn, it's over here on the different screen, says, hello, Lori, thanks for joining us. Any questions, anyone, feel free to ask them in the comments. Um, if you are watching on the live stream, we're happy to answer those questions. Now, when you know when you talk about the content format, what how important is a multi-channel strategy when it comes to proving what you're saying? I mean, I, I think about... You know, some companies, they might say, oh, we only do email because email works. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but so so do other things. Podcasting yeah. works, speaking at conferences works, writing a book works. So mm -hmm. how do you decide where to actually put all your energy and proof that you know what you're talking about? I, I think the the real thing to to think about is how important is it to reach people who are using those other formats or on those other platforms. Because um, there are plenty of companies who are, or, you know, or even influencers you can look at who are single platform or single format, and they're doing just fine. Um, are they potentially missing out on folks who don't use that particular format? Absolutely. There are a lot of TikTok influencers, for example, who may have bajillions of followers. I bet if you took the top 10 TikTok influencers and asked my parents who they were, they probably wouldn't know a single one because they're not using that format. So if it's important for you to reach an audience who's who's on a different platform or prefers audio over, over written content or prefers video only, then you got to think about how you can bring that, that's, you know, that content to life in these other places. I think the other thing to just keep in mind is there's an immense amount of pressure to create everything and be everywhere. And the reality is that's not realistic for most marketers who are a solo, you know, if you're a solopreneur, if you're the sole, you know, marketer in your department or at your company, it's not realistic. So choose those that do work and then start to learn, experiment and branch out into some of the others where there may be opportunity. So when I think about the different levels of proving what you're talking about, uh, I mean, when, when you first start, right, I mean, it's really hard to find another source, but going back to my journalism days here, right, who else yeah. can back me up and say, yeah, Christoph sounds okay on a, on a, on a podcast. Yeah, I guess I can just <laughs> send you the link and you can decide. But um, so how do you do that? Let's take those two yeah. use cases. How do you take the two use cases of, number one, you don't have anybody to back it up yet. Mm -hmm. And then once you have somebody backing it up, what are the best ways for them to do that? And, you know, how, let's tackle those two if we could. Yeah. So uh, I want to say that the, the idea of sending you the video so you could see for yourself, that actually is a kind of proof, right? You're saying that they can actually, you're demonstrating that the truth of that claim that you are great on a podcast. It's the same thing that a lot of speakers do when we send a speaker reel, right? We're saying, hey, I know you haven't seen me before, but here's a mashup of 10 different gigs I've done. And that gives you a sense to see for yourself, you know, this the skill that we bring or whether it's a good fit for you from a cultural or, or energy standpoint. Um, so demonstration by, by kind of just sharing the truth and letting them see it themselves is a totally valid way of proving it. So if you are starting out, you don't yet have the sort of corroboration the third-party credibility, the testimonials and case studies, by all means, just, just show the truth, right? Demonstrate it. Let them see it for themselves. Um, but I think there's, uh, there's other options too. You know, uh, when we are making claims about us, about our business, uh, sometimes those claims are about us personally, what I can personally do for you. But other times we're making claims about the, the broader uh, 
environment. So as an example, if I were just starting out now and I were having to sell the idea that you should work with me to, to improve your content, I would probably be using stats from like Content Marketing Institute talking that, you know, 80% of consumers say that they trust content marketing to XYZ. There are other third-party credibility tools you can pull in like stats, research, surveys, um, other people's white papers that are often full of data to back up the things that you're saying. Content is important. And if you can back that up, it lends credibility to your broader argument. So there's always something you can do, whether it's to demonstrate or to find other experts who can kind of weigh in, even if they're not weighing in on you individually, but on sort of your thesis. What's always interesting is it's so easy to talk about ourselves, but we have to figure out how does, what does it have to do with the customer? customers? Uh, just a quick plug here for my day job, voxpopme.com, if you want to find out how customers actually feel about products, how what they're trying to do in their lives, their jobs to be done, whatever. Um, check that out. It's a, a software tool you can use to uh, get closer to them. Uh, Mark Schaefer, of course, reminded us that it's not about our why, as Simon Sinek has said for so many years, but it's about the customer's why. Uh, mm -hmm. So certainly that's easy to forget. Now, let's talk about when you get those testimonials. And I know I've done it both ways, you know, mm -hmm. back in the... Um, olden ages of marketing, I guess, right? Let's just write the testimonial and see if they approve it. And then on the more journalistic side, hey, let me talk to you about um, how is this working for you? And then based on what they say, you write the testimonial. Um, so maybe those are the two ends of the spectrum. But how do you recommend that people, that companies go about getting testimonials and, and what's the way to do it? Is it the written word? Should you record them, edit them together, then turning them into, into a written quote? Or what's the best yeah. way to do that? So, you know, best is always going to be subjective, um, but if you have the option to start with video, that gives you the most to work with. So even if you don't end up using the video itself, you still have the audio. You can have that audio transcribed as text. You can use a still as a photo to appear next to it. So if you have the chance to start with video, if you're on site or you're at an event with your clients, then by all means, capture it on video and, and work with what you have. Um, but I find that the best time to ask for this kind of, you know, third party corroboration on, on some of your claims is to wait for a compliment. So when they tell you, hey, thank you so much for going above and beyond to get that done over the weekend, or, you know, wow, you won't believe how, how the results that we're seeing on our end. My boss just said, you know, I did an excellent job. Those are the moments where you want to say, like, is that something we could share? Like, are you open to me sharing that so we can help other folks achieve those same results? Or we can help other folks see that we're, you know, a partner that's dedicated and we'll do what it takes. So listen for those compliments. When you hear thank you, that is the cue uh, that you should be following up and, and getting, uh, asking for the testimonials in those moments because they're already telling you what their testimonial would be. You know, I mean, no argument from either. And certainly as a marketer, I always have, or a content marketer, I always have an eye out for all these different stories as they're coming, as they're passing by me. You know, oh, that's a yeah. good story. That's a good podcast interview, potentially. That's, you know, whatever. But some of these compliments are not going to come into marketing, right? They come into customer success or, yeah. you know, maybe somebody talks to you in passing. I mean, I'm just thinking of um, maybe airlines, don't even care. I don't know. But like, you know, if you give a compliment, I mean, you give it to somebody at the at the desk, right? And right. they're moving on to the next person. How do you find a way? What's the best way to funnel those comments down the down the line to the, the, the marketing team? 
So again, I think best is going to depend, obviously, like the way that emergency workers who are working on tight timelines, and in some cases that includes desk agents for for airlines, um, it's a lot harder for them to take a pause and, and forward something along or, you know, push something up the chain. So you want to look to, to more uh, approachable, more realistic things, which would probably be things like your social media, you know, people tweeting and complimenting, hey, thanks for getting me there on time, or, you know, thanks to Susan at RDU who, you know, got me rebooked on a new flight. Those kinds of opportunities are easier because they're, they're more tangible and they're less time, uh, you know, time constrained. Um, but yeah, it really comes down to, to collaboration. So the first thing to do is to identify where those places are that customer feedback does come in, whether that's sales, customer service, um, you know, whatever those those departments or, or avenues are, and then figure out which of these are, are realistic to be either, you know, run up the chain or forwarded along and develop a system that works for you. So a lot of times what we see, um, and again, it depends on the company, the tools you're using, but uh, a really simple one we see with startups is to have uh, like a Slack channel, for example, that is a place where you put praise. Really easy to copy a link to a tweet or, you know, screenshot an email or, or something like that to, to put that in there. Not only is that, you know, great to have a reference of those kinds of things so you could follow up with folks and, and get a more formal testimonial, but it, it's also just nice to get to see that positive praise because I think uh, it's human nature, right, to focus on the one negative and a sea of positive, but it's really nice to have those all collected somewhere to be able to see all that, all that positive reinforcement, positive feedback in one spot. And of course, if you're wondering what RDU is, that's Melanie's home airport, Raleigh, yes. Durham. Um, I don't know if international or not, but I only knew that because I actually flew in there, but I was like, well, I don't know if people know what that airport that is, but <laughs> uh, way to keep it, way to keep it local. You know, the other thing I was just thinking about, certainly when you give a feedback or whatever it might be in person, that's a different story, right? You have to make an effort to pass it along, but yeah. Even if you do it over the phone, I mean, there's tools you can use, whether it's Gong or whatever else. Yeah. Um, and based on the keywords that they use, you can just push it to a Slack channel and then marketing can just see it from there. Um, yeah. So that's probably another way to do it, right? To automate yeah. the process. You could definitely do that. And you could also have like a talk script. You know, if you have a lot of folks who are doing spending the majority of customer interaction on the phone, I mean, that's where we often see, are you open to taking a one minute survey when we finish with our call? You know, if I've helped you today, please take this one minute survey. You know, you see those kinds of things a lot, um, but it's also really easy if it doesn't fit into your flow of what you need to simply ask, is it okay to follow up to ask about a testimonial? Is it okay to follow up to see if we can get a quote from you? And that's a lot easier, right? Then you get the, the, the permission and you log that wherever it makes sense, whoever's keeping track of, you know, touch points with customers, um, you know, in your CRM to say, hey, this person is willing to give one, we'll follow up when we're done with this much more important flow that we're in at the exact moment. You know, when you said uh, wait for a compliment and, and waiting and hope is eternal, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to do something good to get a compliment. So how, how long do you wait or, or how do you how do you get to the point that people actually will compliment you? Yeah, that is a big existential question you're asking. Um, I mean, the first thing you got to do is do good work. Uh, at the end of the day, prove it is not, you know, proving it is not about tricking people into trusting you. It's about telling them that you are trustworthy. So the first thing you need to do is be trustworthy. The first thing you need to do is exactly what you say you're going to do. You need to show up and, and be who you say you are. And if you're doing those things consistently, you should start to get some compliments. You should start to get positive feedback. 
I'd be much more concerned if you were running a business for any extended period of time and not getting any positive feedback. That's probably not a marketing problem. That's probably a product problem or a service problem. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, you can also solicit. I mean, if you have folks that you know are friendly, you know, you have recurring customers, you know, loyal customers, folks who have made referrals before, those are always good indicators that you can reach out to a friendly and ask. Um, you might, if you have any sort of in-person um, experience, you know, you might set up a comment card box or something similar. Uh, a lot of times you have automated emails where after someone has either customer service interaction or, you know, a, a product experience with you, they get at some interval of follow-up saying, you know, how was your experience? And then that has, that opens up the follow-up, you know, would you be willing to share a testimonial? So there's lots of ways you can get at it, but um, you know, the, the best opportunities I think are when folks volunteer it themselves, because that shows you there's a willingness to sort of advocate and make sure that you know, you're doing a great job. Those are usually your champions who are going out of their way to do that. At the end of the day, it's not about tricking people. It's about doing a good job and bringing value to our customers' lives. Um, you know, when you were just talking about that, I was kind of, I was thinking about uh, SEO strategies, right? And there's, of mm -hmm. course, two sides of the spectrum on that, too. Some people just chase links. Please link, 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 link to me. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, I never go chase any links. I just create stuff that I think might be useful and that I find interesting. And guess what? At some point you start ranking. So it's kind of the same model. Yeah. Uh, Melanie, really uh, appreciate you coming on the show in the last minute here. So tell us, how do people connect with you? Like what kind of clients do you work with um, and, yeah. and who should reach out? Yeah, so you can find Prove It at Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. You can check out my other book on Amazon as well. Um, my URLs here floating along the bottom, storyfuel.co is my website, central repository. Uh, I mostly work with companies who are looking to improve their content operations or improve the efficiency of their content. I uh, can help you identify opportunities to tell new stories and, and make sure that the stories you're telling are earning your audience's trust. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.